Hello, this is Rob and Mike from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, and this is Think Smart with TMFG. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, Mike and I are going to be discussing the different ways that financial advisors and financial firms get paid. Mike, I always see these reports that say no one really understands how their advisor is compensated. And it's a funny one because you and I and our company spend a lot of time explaining this to our clients. And yet all the research out there says people still don't understand it. So let's go back in time and talk about how financial advisors used to get compensated. And then let's move forward to, you know, what are the different opportunities today to compensate your advisor for the work they do or your financial firm for the work they do. So if we go back to the the real initial strategy, and that was a commission-based strategy. And so whether you were buying stocks or mutual funds, there would be a commission charged. And that commission would be anywhere up to, you know, one, two percent on the value of the trade that you were doing. So let's say, for example, you were investing $10,000 in a stock or $10,000 in a mutual fund, there used to be a commission, let's call it 1%. So every time you invested $10,000, it cost you $100 in commission. So that was a reasonable amount. The problem with it was, what do you think the advisor's going to do? They're probably going to do more trades than they should because Every time they buy or sell, they make $100. And so they may recommend Royal Bank one day. And two months from now, they may tell you to sell Royal Bank and buy TD Bank. And if you just think of what's happened there, it's the same $10,000, but you lost $100 on the first trade on the buy. You lost $100 when you sold it, or maybe even more if it went up in value, and then you had to spend another $100 when you went out and bought TD Bank, you've now paid $300 or 3% in commissions. Yeah, back in the 90s, I remember we watched that model and we saw the real problems in it as that dot-com crisis was happening. The brokers, you could watch the cars getting more and more expensive as days would go along. (laughs) And even when you went into the 2000s where the markets fell apart, the clients would be going bankrupt and the brokers would still be driving new Porsches. Because the trading activity was driving tremendous amounts of money to the brokers at that time. And how it would work at some of those financial firms is they would have you know, a morning phone call with their team and the other advisors, and they'd be told, here are the trades we should focus on today. Here's the, the you know, we, we put our clients into these holdings you know, a month ago. We're going to get them out of these holdings and into these new holdings. And it was all designed around generating commissions for the firm. And I remember there used to be this quote, and you know, it was it was from a, a Canadian bank, I won't name it, but they would always say, Well, the advisor made money, the firm made money, two out of three ain't bad. And the problem was is that client was the third person and they weren't doing too well with their portfolio. Yeah, it was very different being on the inside because we work in that the financial field. People would always say how the broker works and how much they get paid. But from doing this back from into the early 90s and, and watching the advisor that they've been doing it earlier, 
we do know back when you work for those brokerage firms, if you didn't turn 1% off your assets in a year in commissions, you were fired. And we watch people get fired for it. And, and so people can say how the models can work, but we know what was expected of people working for those firms at that time. So then along came mutual funds and they were to start, they were no better. They actually started uh, when they first came out in Canada anyways, and there was a 9% commission right off the top. So if you were investing that same $10,000, $900 went to the financial advisor as a commission. Along came McKenzie Financial and Jim O'Donnell, and he made some changes to that structure. And what he did is he made sure that no money actually came off the initial $10,000, but the advisor received a 5% commission. So how did that work? Well, what they did is they started charging higher fees on the mutual fund to compensate for the commission that they had just paid the advisor. And if the client tried to get out of the investment in the first five or six years, they would have to pay a up to a somewhere between a you know a three percent or as high as a seven percent fee to get out of that investment. So that went on for quite a while, and it's more recently been been pretty much banned. And that was called the deferred sales charge. And those have been banned in Canada. And Ontario was holding out, but recently they've announced that they're being banned in Ontario as well. Yeah, it's interesting to see going forward. When you go back, though, for the client, if used correctly by advisors, and I'm definitely saying if used correctly by advisors, it was a pretty good strategy at that time. And it allowed people in the industry to, it allowed new advisors to start off. And the really good thing about that uh, strategy was it made people stay invested. The, the side part of that was because people had a deferred sales charge to stay out, they wouldn't just go in and out of investments so quickly. They would commit to an investment for a longer period of time. But again, it was taken advantage of by a lot of people and yeah, they've eliminated it. Built into that deferred sales charge was also an annual compensation to the advisor. And that was roughly 50 basis points or half a percent. And I think that's an important piece because that laid the foundation for fee-based advice. And by having the advisor compensated on an ongoing basis, the advisor is committed to working with that client on an ongoing basis. And so that's where everything started to shift. The next big change was something called low load. And what it meant was, is that the advisor might charge a, sorry, the, the client would pay no fee, but the advisor would get compensated two or 3% as a commission. And then the advisor would get a 1% service fee on an ongoing basis. That lasted for a period of about 10 years, and then gradually that one disappeared as well. They then tried a lower front-end commission of 1% or 2%. That lasted a couple of years, and that has pretty much disappeared. So, Mike, talk about where we are today. How has it evolved, and, and what are some of the advantages to it? Well, most a lot of advisors are working on a fee-based side of things. And there's two types of fee-based. One is that uh, advisors just work for the trailer fee and they use what's called A-class mutual funds. 
and they get paid by the mutual fund companies for a trailer fee for doing their investments. And that, that's basically how they run things. The other thing that we're working on right now, we call it a fee-based model. And a fee-based model has some significant differences. The one difference is we charge fees directly to the clients. So there's a big difference in there. With the other model, the mutual fund companies are paying the advisor. In this model, the fee-based model, the client's actually paying the advisor. And, you know, the way you always figure out who your boss is, is the person who's signing your check is generally the boss. So when the clients are paying you the fee, they're really in control and they're they're the boss. So I find that fee-based model really eliminates a lot of conflicts of interest. So you're being paid for a client to pick the best investment. The other thing, it aligns the interests of the client and the advisor. So if everyone was only after their self-interest, the client wants to be worth more money. And the advisor, the only way they're going to make more money off of the client's account is also have their accounts grow. So the interests are really aligned in the same direction where you want that account to grow. And because there's no allegiance between the fund company and the advisor, it means whatever the best investment is to make that account grow at the highest rate, the advisor would generally try to get that, make sure that's in the portfolio. We use DFA, for example. People ask me, why we use DFA? Well, th- that's what I think the best option is to grow our clients' accounts for both them and for us. And if I didn't think it was, uh, I certainly wouldn't use it because it wouldn't be in my best interest. So, so that, that, that's how that works. And when you look at fee schedules, I always tell people to really examine fee schedules because there's some that are tiered and some are not tiered. They're always very complicated to read. You know, our fee schedule is one where you hit a certain level of assets. The other advantage in uh, using a fee-based model is as you have higher account sizes, the fee gets reduced. So if you're running $2 million, you pay a lot less of a percentage of a fee than someone who's running $200,000. But look into the fee schedules of different firms. Our fee schedule, when you hit a certain point of assets, your entire fee on the account goes down. Most financial institutions that I've seen, banks and, and things like that, what they do is they have a fee schedule that drops, but only drops for the additional amount above that set tier they have. So if they're a certain percentage of up to $500,000, if you go that, beyond that $500,000, the fee drops but you're still paying the higher fee on the first $500,000. So you really have to understand how a fee schedule works. Some of the other advantages I like about the fee-based model, one is is we've been able to implement something called a family fee deal and where additional family members can come on and we're able to give them a discounted rate because other members of the family are already clients. So that's one thing that you wouldn't be able to do in, in the previous structures that existed in the marketplace. The other thing that you can do is you can play around with which account the fee gets charged to. So you could charge a, your TFSA fees. You could have that come out of your open account. Under the other structures, you weren't able to do that. Under a fee-based model, you are. Uh, the other thing that's a great advantage is the, the, the fee in the fee-based model is tax deductible for your open accounts. And that's a big advantage again. So the client is able to deduct that against other sources of income from their portfolio. And And that's just a good strategy. It's also tax deductible higher up in the tax return. And what I mean by that, it it reduces ODA security clawbacks too. It has a great advantage of tax returns. 
There's one other structure that is is starting to gather a little bit of steam, although, you know, I've been in this business for over 30 years. It's always been there. And it's called fee for service. And that's where you may go and pay a financial advisor to build a financial plan for you. But then it's up to you to go find someone else and maybe yourself to go and implement that plan. And my experience is, is, you know, yes, there, there are people that prefer that. Like anything else in the world, people, there's people for everything. My own belief is the implementation of the portfolio and the monitoring of that portfolio is equally as important as the financial plan. So I wouldn't want to give that back to the client to manage that side. I just don't think that's that's a good strategy. But there's some people who want to go that route. And there are financial advisors who just work fee for service. They don't actually manage portfolios. It's good to have a plan, but there's that great quote from Mike Tyson. Everyone has a plan until I hit them. <laughs> and that's what happens sometimes. They have a great plan and then things change on the market and they need someone to manage them through that point. So having a plan isn't the only part of a proper financial solution. Now, I know we were going to talk today a little bit about insurance commissions. I think we'll save that for another podcast. All we can say is that it's rather complicated, especially from the client's perspective. Let's save that for another day. This brings us to the end of another week. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob and Mike with Think Smart from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. been listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.